Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for the start of a new week for today's episode that is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. Joining me today to wrap up the Bucks 111-104 disappointing loss to the Atlanta Hawks is my good friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, who, as we very quickly approach midnight here, Central Time, has just got back from Fiserv Forum. I assume are you doing it at the studio or Fiserv? What does a what does a road game look like for you now that uh, the season's progressed a little bit? Uh, the road it remains unchanged, so we're still doing them from Fiserv. So it. Uh... You've gotten used to it through the year, but uh, I mean, the first few road games we did, it uh, it was quite spooky that there's literally no one in the building other than myself and Ted and the engineer and then, you know, Jim and uh, whoever else is doing the game with him and Zora are there, but they're on the ground floor and we're actually in the booth. So it's just us and a few people from Arena Control. So especially those West Coast games they had earlier, you're in the building until two in the morning and it's pitch black as you're walking out and you realize yeah, this is like how horror movies typically start. <laughs> well, speaking of horror movies, I'm glad you said that because the fourth quarter was a bit of a horror movie for the Bucks. Uh, they actually led 78 to 70 heading into the fourth and then they get outscored 41 to 26 in the final 12 minutes. And the 26 points, I mean, if I look at the box score from this game, Clearly, the three-point shooting suffered, and being the second night of a back-to-back, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but it's not exactly rare that that could be the case if you lose your legs a little bit there. But the fact they still scored 26 points in the fourth quarter, when you have an eight-point lead, you're going to assume that that's going to be enough to get you home. But in this one, it was Bogdanovich and Lou Williams in particular who combined for 27 points in the fourth quarter, nine for 10 from the field. They each hit four three-pointers And I think for the most part, you know, I go back to the start of the season and basically every single episode we were talking about the three-point defense. And I think as the season's gone on, it's settled out a little bit. I think generally across the the league, the three-point shooting has chilled out a little bit. But also, I think credit where credit's due. I think the Bucs have have ironed out their defense a little bit. But this fourth quarter was extremely problematic and and probably a little bit concerning, to be fair. If you're a Bucs fan, this was not the first time in recent weeks that we've seen the Bucks really struggle and give up a lead in the fourth quarter. I think back to the game against Golden State and obviously Milwaukee a little bit shorthanded there, but a team you should win. I think about the game against Phoenix. I think about their struggles against Memphis, obviously tonight against Atlanta and even the game against Sacramento where they won, but they were very fortunate to win at the end. It is a bit of a concerning trend and this fourth quarter tonight was uh, not fun to watch. Let's say that. Yeah, and the uh, you know the clutch numbers, which this was another instance where the Bucks 
lose in that situation where I believe that, you know, the funny thing is for as much as we talked about last year, this being the case of, well, you want to play in these closer games because you're going to need it in the playoffs. And, you know, the Bucks. it's great that you're blowing teams out by 20, but you're going to need to play in some of these spots. They played more games last year in those clutch situations than they have so far this year, where it's the Bucks and the Rockets that have played the fewest, which Houston isn't surprising when you think about where they are in the standings. But it does kind of feel like the Bucks have been in more of these spots than they actually have, where this was their 22nd and they're unfortunately 9 and 13. But, you know, I, I guess that's your big takeaway is – the big problem in those spots is we've seen the offense regress a little bit, but it's only slightly worse than what we've seen from the season as a whole. Um, or excuse me, the defense, the offense has taken a big step backward. And a lot of that to me is just they're playing at a much slower pace and their turnover rate is extremely high in the clutch as well, which matches up the eyeball test. And we think back to some of those games you mentioned where, they're unable to get off a possession or a shot because they're turning the ball over. And that's what these numbers are dictating as well, that I don't know that there's one thing to really point to that. It was one thing I was looking at after the game as well of, okay, why are the bucks playing so poorly from those games that you just referenced and those numbers that we just gave for clutch? Why are they seemingly playing so poorly in these spots? And I don't know the knee jerk reaction that there's one answer for it. And look, I think part of it too is, it's certainly not the spot you want to be in with those numbers in the nine and 13 and the issues with turning the ball over. But let's also point out, I'm not panicked until I see this pop up in the playoffs. This continues to be a very strange season. And as you mentioned, it's a back to back and it's a very compressed schedule that all teams have dealt with that. I, this is one of the things of all the numbers too, that, I'm not sure what the takeaways are that we can take from this into the playoffs quite yet. I generally do agree. And I always put this disclaimer out there that this won't surprise anyone that listens to this podcast regularly, but I've been saying it all year. I've really just personally struggled to understand what to take from regular season games and when to take it and what to take seriously and what not to take seriously. And I can go as far as even when it's worked out well for the bucks. And I know that, in general, it's easy to ride the emotional roller coaster with wins and losses. And tonight, you're probably feeling pretty shitty about yourself and thinking the Bucks suck. They can't win these close games. But the reality is that you're right. They just came off and they won two games against Philadelphia, which is great. And we all got a little bit excited thinking, okay, maybe you can get the one or two seed here. But again, in the wins, you can't get too high either because they're two wins that, what the hell do you take from them? They didn't have Ben Simmons the first time. They didn't have Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons the second time. So I think that this has been the case right through the regular season. But the one thing that you do know, and this has never changed over the history of basketball, particularly in the in the 82-game schedule, and this year's obviously a little bit different, but when you're playing your third game in four nights, not only can you struggle to shoot, in the, in the fourth quarter, which we saw that the Bucks obviously did uh, probably right throughout the whole night. But defensively, you can be a step slow. And we saw that. And it wasn't as much as I, I know, and just through scrolling through Twitter, there, there wants to be people angry at Mike Budenholzer. There wants to be people angry at Chris Middleton. To me, I was watching this team in the fourth quarter, and none of them played with the urgency defensively. I didn't see the closeouts were as sharp as what they were in previous games. I saw, I saw a, couple, a bit of miscommunication. I saw guys perhaps not constantly 
concentrating and two guys going to defend one player and then leaving Bogdan Bogdanovich wide open for three. And I saw a lot of things that, to me, was very difficult to watch and disappointing because this is a game that, uh, let's be honest, without Trey Young, you want to get and you want to win. But to me, it was very symptomatic of a team that just mentally and physically looked like they weren't quite as sharp as they should be. You can sit there and say that this is an excuse and the problem is more magnified than this one night. But when I look at this one game in isolation, that is what I saw. And again, I don't necessarily think that it can be or should be used as an excuse, but it's not a it's not a fake symptom of what we saw out there. Because again, once the lead got out to 10 points, all of a sudden the Bucks got desperate again and they're playing full court press and everyone's zipping around everywhere and they were able to get a few stops. It was unfortunate that this lull cost them on a night where Atlanta really did not look all that threatening offensively. Yeah, they. Uh, we were talking about it before too, where I was in the same boat that... I was never really concerned until the very, very end where Atlanta, once they pushed that lead up to two possessions, even when you started to think, okay, they're not going away and the Bucks are seemingly remaining cold here. Look, I understand how frustrating it probably is to some fans to hear both of us say, yeah, it sucks that the Bucks lost in this fashion and you had a chance to get another half game on Philly and to continue to keep the pace with Brooklyn. But it's, it's just, I mean, it's going to be a year that we look back on years down the road and it, this is going to be the year. It's not last year and it's not the bubble from last summer. It's going to be this year of like, Hey, remember that year where it started off in empty arenas and it was so compressed and we saw injuries start to pile up and teams were playing we say the same thing about, you know, both of the lockout seasons in the last 20 years too. When you think back to how crazy those schedules were and some of the results that we saw in the postseason, I mean, that was also a year where the New York Knicks made the finals as an eight seed. So uh, this is really starting to feel like one of those strange seasons that I'm not really sure what the regular season takeaways can really be other than those instances that you look at of, of when these two teams or two teams in general play each other at full strength. And it, it's the good and the bad, where if you don't want any major takeaways or say there's not a lot from this, which I do agree with, same as what you said about that Philly series. For the health issues that you pointed to, even Doc Rivers saying before uh, the game on Saturday that, yeah, would it have made more sense for us to put Joel Embiid on Giannis? Absolutely. But – this was a night two of a back-to-back, and we didn't want to push Joel Embiid that hard. So we just decided to sacrifice it and let him hang out on the perimeter on Brooke Lopez. That There's been so much of that this year that that's what really makes it difficult to bring up all these numbers and say, well, here's what I've seen in the clutch, and here's what we see when the Bucks are playing on night two of a back-to-back, and here's what they're doing against you know the top ten defenses. But the reality is I'm not sure that any of that really means anything yet. We're going to talk about Chris Middleton. We'll talk about Bogdan Bogdanovich as well. And then we'll talk about the free throws because in terms of factors, how this game changed, that was certainly one of the important parts of this one. But uh, we're going to talk about our friends at Indeed because if you're hiring for your company, what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner that helps make your life easier you need indeed indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen and interview all on indeed get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job description faster only pay for the candidates that 
meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately and Indeed skills test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. If you're hiring, 27%, interesting. Uh, that's a little bit lower than the Bucks three-point percentage tonight, but 27%. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked. Get $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, and then, listen, if you're, uh, if you're on the job hunt or you're advertising to try and find someone, then it's, it's hungry work. You're going to be hungry, which means you need the Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. Uh, there is a bunch of flavors that you can find online. They're available at different times, but the Coconut Brownie Crunch is the one that you want. I'm telling you that. I'm going to keep saying that. It is my go-to. And uh, as we know, with Built Bar, the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are great for the health-conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Uh, we've got a great deal for you guys. It remains the same, and make sure you take advantage. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft from April 29 to May 1st. I, I'm, listen, I, I'm admittedly not the world's biggest NFL fan, but I can't believe that we're already at the draft here. I mean, the season's going to be starting here in just a little bit. I was talking with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers the other night, and um, he did confirm to me he doesn't think that the Packers will take a quarterback in the draft, but who knows? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see what happens there. But as far as the Bucks go in this game with the Hawks, well, we may as well have the Bogdanovich conversation again, Justin. I feel like we're going to be doing this for the rest of time, but he was sensational tonight again. He had 28 points Last time the Hawks played the Bucks tonight, he had 32 points, 12 of 21 from the field, 6 for 11 from 3. I already mentioned the impact he had in the fourth quarter, including those four triples. But he is just a sensational player. And it is a bit of pill to swallow. And again, I've already mentioned this. The comparison with Dante DiVincenzo makes no sense to me. It's not the comparison I'm looking to make. But if you are a Milwaukee fan, it's, it's hard not to watch these matchups and say, geez, it would be nice to have Bogey as that fifth starter with the Bucks. In fact... You would probably imagine that if they had him, that pushes them from a, they are, they're a contender, a title contender to arguably one of the absolute favorites if they have Bogdanovich. And the thing that I love about him is that he's so calm. And and again, this is why I don't like the comparison with Dante, just because they're in completely different stages in their career, uh, different roles as well. It's fair to say that. But Bogdanovich is so experienced and he's hit big shots with the Kings. He's hit big shots across his career in Europe. He's been professional for a long, long, long time. And you saw that again tonight. I mean, he's totally comfortable in this role right now without Trey Young being the leading scorer and taking the responsibility and taking the big shots. And he was sensational tonight. And they weren't all wide open. There was a couple of breakdowns from the Bucks, but he can hit, hit them in traffic as well. He's just a, he's a tough player to guard. 
Well, uh, the uh, the all time dumb take by me, which I I am not ashamed to uh, own up to, is we are, we always own up to our, our, shitty, <laughs> yeah. our shitty takes. And trust me, from time to time, everyone has to make a shitty take. So I respect <laughs> it. Uh, in the off season, I was most excited that night about Bogdan Bogdanovich coming here. And it was kind of, yeah, Drew Holiday, great. It's an upgrade to the point guard, but they're going to get Bogdanovich, <laughs> which is the guy I was looking forward to. And, I mean, we, we know how fantastic Drew Holiday has been, but today was what you point to, that now you see everything that he's capable of doing where you think about you, you just could not give him a sliver of room because – he was going to hit everything in sight. And he's done this throughout his career, as you said, in Europe and here at the NBA level, he's only had, you know, regular season games that we've seen this happen with the Sacramento Kings. But that's what makes you salivate the most is seeing Bogdanovich in some of those playoff spots where it's going to be those big moments that he lives up to. And I think, you know, we think we talk about the positionless basketball. I mean, that's what made the most sense for the Bucks is – where he's really started to take off is when he came back from that injury and he was still kind of, you know, feeling his way out with that Atlanta Hawks team, similar to everything we said with this Bucks team this year. Um, but when he came back from the injury and he was basically given the keys to the second unit of, okay, the minutes that Trey Young isn't on the floor, you're going to run the offense and you're going to be the guy that's running the second unit as well. And you're basically playing starters minutes and you're our sixth starter, but, we need you as basically Trey Young's backup. And I think at first a lot of people felt, well, why isn't this guy starting? And now you're seeing how much it's really helped him. So you see how he can play either spot, that he can run the offense, he can play the two guard. And that is another thing that just, in theory, made so much sense for what the Bucks were trying to build here if you had him in the backcourt. And the, the other part, which you pointed to, is you can't compare him to Dante DiVincenzo. And it's not even close in terms of the similarities of the two players. The unfortunate part is whenever the Bucks <laughs> play the Hawks or Bogdanovich, that comparison, as long as Dante DiVincenzo is always, as long as he's on the roster, it's always going to be made. And what's equally tough for Dante is, you know, Dante's in a stretch right now where he did not play very well today. And I think he's been going through a bit of a rough stretch lately as well. So people are just going to continue to point to that especially on a night when Bogdanovich plays like he did and say, well, what might have been? Yeah, five points for Dante tonight. Team worst, minus 18 on the box score as well. Two for seven from the field, 0 for three from three. One of the interesting comparisons to make with these two guys, though, and I was sort of thinking about this as the game was going on. I mean, we talk about Dante a lot and sometimes lament the fact that perhaps for what the Bucs are trying to achieve this year and for what they want, his ability to be a playmaker, which we know from talking to Mike Budenholzer, he really, really likes the prospects of Dante as a playmaker. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen him get to the point where you're comfortable um, when Drew is off the floor or Chris is off the floor saying, okay, Dante, you run the offense. Uh, I don't think we're at a point where we're comfortable seeing that yet. Uh, he's a little bit erratic still, can be decision-making can be a little bit questionable. So that's something that we're still working on and looking at for Dante. And again, when the timeline is so short, then the pressure ramps up. And that's why I think, you know, bigger picture, I do think that some of the criticism for Dante has been a little bit over the top and a little bit harsh. But at the same time, I understand the lens where it's coming through that the fans are just like, hey, we want to win the title this year. You're playing a seriously important role. You need to be better. And I think that that's totally fair. But the one thing that I did look at at this game and think to myself, 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you pointed to the fact that Bogdanovich can run the offense a little bit and he can in stretches. There's, there's no doubt about that. But we saw in the first half when the Hawks didn't really start a point guard. There's no Trey Young. And Bogdanovich had the ball in his hands a lot and Kevin Herter was out there as well. But the Hawks were really bogged down. They weren't shooting the ball well. They weren't really able to get any type of dribble penetration into the paint. I thought uh, you know, Brooke and Giannis and those guys were doing a fantastic job defensively as well to the point where they didn't even attempt a free throw in the first half, which is an extraordinary stat in the modern NBA. So in the second half, they start Brandon Goodwin, who can at least handle the ball a little bit. I thought that he had a, a relatively good impact for a player that only had three points on one for four shooting in 18 minutes. But also Lou Williams obviously played a huge role in a guy that can break down the defense a little bit. And I think that's where we saw the absolute strength of Bogdanovich as a guy that's kind of the second guy. He can play off ball a little bit. You can find him in catch and suit situations or you can passing the ball on the perimeter when the defense is in rotation and then he can put it on the floor and get to a spot as well. So just in terms of the the role comparison there, I, I thought it was at least interesting to see that, again, while Bogdanovich obviously had a monster night, they did have similar struggles when he was the guy that they were saying, okay, can you run this offense a little bit tonight? They had some struggles in the second half, 23 free throws, and that was a big story of the night. Yeah, 23 in... I want to say the Bucks only had three fouls in the first half that, I mean, the Hawks were clearly never in the bonus and <laughs> no free throw attempts in the first half, but they went from three fouls in the first half to all of a sudden getting into the bonus, I think five minutes into the third quarter where you could definitely shift sense. All right. There's been a change in some of the things is what Atlanta is doing here. Most of it is what Atlanta is doing it started to be officiated a little bit differently in the second half, but uh, you wonder how much of that too was campaigning by Nate McMillan with the officials <laughs> that you go from, Hey, we didn't even get to the free throw line at all. And, um, and then you go from that. And, you know, also it was just weird in general because the Hawks didn't attempt any, and I don't think Giannis attempted any free throws in the first half. So uh, it, it was just one of those, those weird things that you see pop up a handful of times throughout the year that you'll point to and see him, the Hawks attempt 23 and a half in a game where Trey Young wasn't on the floor either is I think what was the most thing that uh, most jumped off the page. All right, let's talk about betonline.ag now, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is done and dusted, but the NBA, MLB, NHL, they're all in full swing. So you can check out all the odds, props and lines uh, there with those sports. Any other sport you like, awards, TV shows, reality TV, it's all there on betonline.ag. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On for that one. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, uh, Jason LaConfora, I believe that's right, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts from every team, including Peter Bukowski, are making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. 
and I never get too stressed out with uh, pronouncing some of those names, Justin, because if I get it wrong, I just blame the fact that I'm Australian and, and everyone, you know, everyone concedes. They, they accept that I'm going to have some trouble talking from time to time. But just uh, one last one on the free throw stuff, just to tidy up a few of the numbers you said there. Uh, quite remarkable. You're right. I, I actually raised my eyebrows when you said Giannis had zero free throw attempts in the first half, but you're exactly right. So he had 10 of his own in the second half there. But just to highlight uh, the Bucks' struggles here in terms of fouling the Hawks in the second half, on the season, the Bucks are number one for opponent free throw attempts per game at only 18.3 for the entire game. So for them to give up 23 and a half is quite remarkable. And again, Again, you're going to accuse me. I know the listeners, they're going to accuse me of making excuses for the team. But what happens when you're a little bit fatigued and you're out of position? You start fouling, and that's what the Bucks did in the second half, and it was a parade to the free throw line. And Danilo Gallinari actually was the main culprit there. Uh, he was yeah. eight for eight from the free throw line in the second half and a uh, little bit crafty there. I thought we could talk about Chris Milton a little bit. I mean, he's always a guy that draws the attention of the, the fan base, let's say that. But he finished the night with 23 points. Uh, he had six rebounds there, a couple of assists uh, on the night. Nine for 18 from the field, three for five from the free throw line, two for two from uh, three for five from three point land, and two for two from the free throw line. And quite remarkable that he finished nine for 18 and got up to 23 points because he started this one three for 11. And watching that game yesterday against the, the Sixers, I mean, it was such a blowout and it was such a a game where the Bucks were just in cruise control for the whole night that I didn't actually realize until I was watching the broadcast tonight that he was 0 for 6. It, it really threw me off. I know he only played 19 minutes and it was one of those ones where obviously it didn't matter, but uh, quite a, a strange stretch for Middleton there to then start 3 for 11, so 3 for 17. Um, we can talk about his struggles all all night long, all season long if you want. I mean, we've brought it up on the podcast as much as it seems like he's struggling. The numbers... I do not exactly stack up with that. But certainly, he looked a little bit out of sorts. I've spoken a lot about the fact that uh, I, I get the sense that the guy just needs a rest. And playing the third game in four nights, I wasn't exactly shocked based on the numbers and from what I've seen that he struggled to start this one. But I honestly thought that something that stood out to me, and to his credit, has been something that has stood out to me over the last week or so. He has really shown, I think... And it might be just me. I think he's shown an improved aggression and eagerness and willingness to to get down and dirty a little bit with some of these loose balls and dive on the floor and put his body on someone, not known as a, a super physical player. But I do think that it got him going a little bit on a, and on a night where he was clearly struggling. The three-point shot that he made in the first quarter came off an offensive rebound where he really had to hustle from one side of the court to the other. In the third quarter, he got to the free throw line off a Giannis miss and then a tap back sort of crashed bodies with an Atlanta player, got the ball and then got to his position and got to the free throw line. And then he sort of got going a little bit. So when you're in these nights where clearly the energy is not there, you're clearly struggling, you have to find other ways to do that. And I don't necessarily associate Chris Middleton with a guy that, that does those types of things. It's not to say that he doesn't um, you know, show efforts on a nightly basis. I'm not saying that at all, but uh, it, it stood out to me tonight that it seemed like he was at least trying to get something going. And in the end, it, it paid off for him, which again, big picture. You know, I, again, I know people will say that he was terrible tonight, but you, you, to finish with 23 points, to bounce back after a slow start, to find different ways to impact the game, you're going to need that on because there's going to be nights in the playoffs where his shot is not falling. Yeah, and we had seen it, you know, before this year. Uh, 
earlier this year, I should say as well, where he had the, what, six for 27 game. And we heard all of his teammates talk about it afterwards too, of Chris saying himself, well, just keep shooting <laughs> that, you know, it's the shooter shoot mentality that eventually will start going in. And we heard Drew talk about it. And I think Giannis talked about it as well after that game of, yeah, I mean, we knew it, it doesn't really affect Chris that the next game out there, we'll see him bounce back. And that's basically what we saw in this one too. And he's, you know, I think to, to a certain segment, he's just in a no-win spot where you're going to say, well, if Chris Middleton's your second best player, are you a championship caliber team? Which is what we've heard over and over the last couple of years. And now you can make a strong case this year of, well, maybe Chris Middleton, and this isn't meant as a knock on him, maybe he's your third best player because of how good Drew Holiday's been playing. And then that same contingency will tell you, well, that's a detriment to the team that it, it means Chris Middleton has taken a step backwards. So <laughs> I think he and, I mean, we have a number of these guys, but I think he and Coach Budenholzer are just kind of in no-win spots with the with you know chunks of the fan base this year just because of what we've seen happen with the Bucks the last two years. And the, the funny part about that is, you know, Chris Middleton's a guy that you really can't put any of the blame on for the last two years and falling short in the playoffs. That Raptor series, no one really played well, but Chris Middleton was one of the guys. Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez basically keeping you afloat in that series against the Miami Heat. And he had big series the year prior as well. So I just – it kind of goes back to – you know, what we were saying at the top with games like this, where, you know, I'm just more looking for basically what we saw tonight, where whenever Chris does have one of those games, it's almost like clockwork that, you know, it's going to happen. But once it does happen, I think we all kind of assume, yeah, that was Chris's one game, bad game during that stretch. And he's going to bounce back and have a much better game and put together a pretty good stretch moving forward. And you know, that's what we saw after the six for 27 game. And so far, that's what we saw tonight. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I've said this from time to time, but some of the, the Middleton takes and uh, it just, they're ridiculous. Like, I mean, it, it's just complete bullshit. Like if you can, if you're okay with admitting to yourself that, that you just don't like him and there's nothing that he can do that you're going to give him credit for, then that's fine. Then then say whatever you want to say. I'm totally fine with that. But you have to be able to accept the good and the bad and expecting the same consistency from Chris Middleton as you're going to get from Giannis is just not going to happen. There's a reason why Giannis is a top five player in the world and a a reason why Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday in that sort of 25 to to 40 or whatever, however you want to rank them, they're not the same color of player. They're just not. And that's why we see it night to night from Giannis. And sometimes you ride the wave a little bit with Middleton and Drew Holiday. Let's be honest. Again, I mentioned it. But some of the defensive breakdowns, people won't want to do it because Drew Holiday is the new guy and everybody loves him. But he made mistakes tonight defensively in the fourth quarter. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I will say this, one of the things that I did like about this game, that again, if you project forward to the postseason, I try and think where this team has been in years years gone by, you see the benefit of having three options offensively because those three guys combined for 73 points. So it's a pretty good night. For those three, but Drew Holiday, 15 of his came in the first quarter, uh, in the first half. And that's what I love, or that's what I really like about this team more this season is that last year, if Chris Milton has that night, then what are you doing? Like, who's scoring? You, you're probably not winning the game, but you're okay because Drew Holiday stepped up and he was really uh, important offensively. The second half, Chris Milton got it going because this is, again, it's going to happen during the postseason. There are going to be offensive droughts. There's no doubt about that. 
tonight the story was on the defensive end and you've got to be better. And you would hope, the only thing I can say, you cross your fingers, you hope defensively in the postseason when you're not playing a back-to-back, when you're not playing three games in four nights, hopefully you're a little bit sharper. Because I'll also say this, I mean, some of the shots that the Hawks made down the stretch were incredibly impressive threes. And once Lou Williams gets cooking and, and a player like Bogdanovich, they're going to do that to you. But it was, a lot of it was self-inflicted tonight. And I think, that, yeah, obviously they're going to be disappointed. But I think if you're watching it, you've got every, every reason to be disappointed with the defensive effort tonight. But we'll see. Every time I've said that the door is slammed shut on any movement in the seedings, Something crazy happens, but the Bucks three and a half games back of the Nets now, two and a half back of Philly. Ah, maybe they could win out. Maybe they'll win the last twelve games of the season and uh, and go and pinch something, pinch a, a one or a two seed. But it's not looking likely. This one was one you probably had to have. You had to be near on perfect down the stretch to get it. Uh, they failed tonight, unfortunately, in the fourth quarter. And uh, now you just keep an eye on the standings, see who sits six. It's still Boston right now. Could be Atlanta. Could be the Knicks. Could be Miami. There's a bunch of teams where the movement can still occur. Well, and that last thing on, on Drew Holiday, that was the – this game was just full of so many of those weird stats of, you know, the Hawks' free throws in the second half. Giannis, no free throws in the first half. And uh, the point total in the fourth quarter from Bogdanovich and, and Lou Williams. And the Hawks hitting eight threes in the fourth quarter, and they finished with 13 in the game. But to me – uh, you talked about the, the start that Drew Holiday got off to where that it was one of those things where you looked up midway through the second quarter and thought, holy cow, <laughs> I knew he was playing well, but Drew Holiday's really carrying the offense here. He didn't attempt any field goals in the third quarter, and he played damn near the entire quarter. And really for the half, he only took four shots in the second half and scored four points. That all came late in the game, but that was kind of the – the puzzling thing of we went, you know, probably until the midpoint of the fourth quarter before Drew Holiday even attempted a shot. And especially with some of those stretches where this offense was just seeming to hit another cold spell and you thought, all right, this is probably the time for Drew to get one of those easy baskets where he can just bully one of the smaller guards all the way down to the post. But we just never saw it. Yeah, I probably, from a scoring standpoint, would have liked to see a little bit more assertiveness because he did finish with 11 assists to only one turnover. I mean, he facilitated really well. But again, I do think when it comes to playoff time and you're having a night where the threes aren't falling and Bryn Falls was was not great tonight, scoreless in 14 minutes, 0 for 4 from 3, 0 for 5 from the field. Uh, Jeff Teague was 0 for 2 from 3 as well. And even Pat was just 1 for 3. So you probably needed him to be more of a scorer. Uh, rather than just trying to bomb away from the three-point line. So again, if you were to be critical of anything, maybe maybe that would be the case for Drew in particular. Like Defensively, there was some breakdown, sure, but uh, just score a little bit more because to finish 8 for 11 is a little bit strange. It feels like there's some points left out on the table there. There's no doubt about that. But again, he was putting so much into the first half. Did he simply run out of gas in the second half? It's so hard to read. I, I think the, yeah. big, the big point with this team and the big point with the playoffs moving forward I've continued to be confident all season long that this team is better, but I've also said with the caveat that I don't really bloody know what's going to happen in the playoffs. I really don't. I I don't know what's going to happen. I think that this team is built and has been building nicely through the regular season. I truly do believe that. Certainly, some of these fourth quarters have been a little bit concerning and you would like to see them finish off some of those close games, but there's so many factors going into this. 
it's hard to really, for me, it's just hard to, to be too high or too low on any win or any loss right now. I'm really just hanging out for the playoffs. I can't wait for it to start. I can't wait to get through this regular season because I think we're going to see some really, really good basketball in the postseason. It's just trying to get through this grind. Well, and the last thing you brought up too about the the seedings here, I mean, I, I do think this this all but eliminated the Bucks from moving up even to the two spot that it's basically four that you're back of the Nets, that you're four back in the loss column and you're two back in the loss column of the Sixers, that it's a lot. Even if you sweep the series against Brooklyn, you still need help. And same with Philly, where you know you have 12 games left and I think Brooklyn has 11 and Philly's at 12. So you've got outplaying by two games in 12, which it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. So I think this basically locked the Bucks into three which may not be a bad thing because, you know, the way they've approached the season all season long and what we've heard from Coach Budenholzer, he said it a couple of times now that you got to beat good teams in the playoffs. So we're not really focused on can we move up or down? Like we just want to be healthy. And, you know, seeing this happen and and realizing, you know what, we're going to be three and we're fine with that. It means we're going to have to beat both of these teams. It also probably takes away any incentive you had to maybe approach these final three weeks a little differently, where if you thought, all right, maybe, you know, if we can rattle off five in a row or something and we see Philly struggling, we could potentially move up there, even if it means, hey, uh, remember that stretch leading into the playoffs where you might have played guys longer than you wanted to or played them in games where maybe the plan was to not play them, but you just felt like, hey, the one seed's within reach. I think this kind of eliminates any of those temptations, which may prove to be a good thing, that the Bucks are that team that knows this is where we're going to be. We can use these final 12 games to just continue to iron some of these things out and most importantly, rest guys, because I think with four remaining back-to-backs, we're going to see a lot of Jordan Wara and Mamadi Diakite and the rest of the bench. Yeah, as a generally anxious sports fan with all sports in terms of bad luck and and changing plans at the last second i think it's a pretty good point you make i I think it would be nice for the bucks to remove the temptation to go all out over the final four or five games of the regular season that might be a uh, a blessing in disguise but we'll see i'm sure we're going to be keeping an eye on it we'll be back uh, tomorrow for a podcast i've got some i've got some thoughts i've got some theories i saw some more stuff out there on twitter tonight that i'm going to get off my chest uh tomorrow and then the Bucks will prepare for a, a sneaky, difficult matchup against the Charlotte Hornet team that's been playing pretty damn well as well. So we will be back tomorrow. Justin, appreciate you. Go get some sleep. It's 12.30. Yeah, anytime. All right. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. Keep an eye out for your podcast feed for that one as we get ready for Bucks and Hornets. For Justin and myself, we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>